Welcome to Tailgates and Turnovers, the Film Crew's official college football podcast. I am your host, Tyler Yoder, formerly Tiller, as you guys knew me before. Joined today by Bennett. How's it going, bud? Good. Just watching the uh, the Falcons, and Mariota is actually looking pretty good. Is he slinging it right now? Yeah, he's looking good. And wow. as we get closer to football season, that means we get closer to hoodie weather. Oh, so this heat absolutely. is finally going away. I'm ready for it. Absolutely. And we are also joined by a new presenter tonight. Spomer, how's it going, buddy? I'm good. How are you guys? Not too bad. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your college football fandom and your just experience in general with this beautiful sport? Oh, let's see. Um, Nebraska fan, uh, as you guys uh, know, because I don't stop talking about it. Um, I, uh, you know, it's a a tortured life I live, to say the least. Um, Born in 93, so I was alive for the good times. Uh, but I do not uh, remember them, we'll say. Um, I've been around for a lot of nine and sevens and some worse. Uh, so, yeah, we're we're on the upswing ever, yeah. ever slow, slowly. But we're getting there. For sure, man. You a big Scott Frost guy or how, how do you feel about the man? My thoughts when he was hired, I I said I'll give him three years if we're not at least – challenging for the west i'd be disappointed his third year i believe was the covid season so i kind of dis you know went away from that didn't really count that um last year should have been probably his last year i didn't like it obviously but it is what it is i think if he doesn't you know turn around this year he's gone so yeah it's tough i think i like bopolini Understandable. He's where you guys had your success, so I I get it. Yeah. His seat's definitely definitely probably the hottest in the Big Ten. I think we kind of talked about that. Oh, for sure. uh, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, so tonight should be a little lighter content. We're not going to do any deep dives or anything like that. Instead, we've got a mailbag episode. So we're just going to answer a few questions here from some of our viewers, and we're actually going to start with one that you sent us before we had you uh, pop on for this. So... Why don't you kick us off? Uh, my question uh, that I submitted to the film crew Twitter account um, that everyone should go follow and interact with um, because, you know, it's where you're going to get your best college football, uh, you know, interaction. Uh, my question was, what's the maddest or saddest you've been uh, after a college football game? Uh, could be your own team, could be another team. What's what's your your worst? Um, and I guess I'll start the 2009 Big 12 championship game. Okay. Uh, Nebraska versus Texas. It's the one second game. I don't know how in everybody else's consciousness it is, but it is burned into my brain. I will never get over that game. I will never get over the picture of Mac Brown walking onto the field with one, one finger up. Cause he's got one second on the clock. Um, recently on, on uh, pardon my take, even uh, Bo Pelini was on and he is still mad about that. So I felt very justified being mad about that game still. Um, you know, I, I never liked Texas. Can't stand them now. I mean, even more so now. So that's me. I, I just, flashbacks absolutely just get just get that ptsd whenever you start thinking about it i get it man. not great just hot just cold sweats yeah that's uh i think there were by no bo pelini was on pardon my take and then uh, i think there were a couple other pods that kind of went in in detail about that game a couple weeks ago so i'm sure those were a joy for you to listen to i i haven't listened to the andy staples one i don't i it's it's still too fresh as yeah. you know being 13 years um but I can't do it. Yeah, I was listening to that one, and I, one of my thoughts as I was listening was like, oh, my God, Spummer would absolutely hate this right now. I, the blood pressure would already, it would just be skyrocketed. Oh, yeah. Couldn't do it. So, Bennett, how about you, man? What's, uh, what's your answer for this one? Yeah, it's the uh, 2011 Big Ten championship game. Uh, Michigan State, they were finally making strides. 
they, they were playing Wisconsin. Actually, earlier that year, they had one off of a Hail Mary in East Lansing against Wisconsin. Keith Nickel caught that ball. Uh, the way the game shook out in the championship game was that basically Wisconsin was punting with about a minute and a half left, and Michigan State returned it all the way down to the Wisconsin like two-yard line. And then there was a roughing the punter call, and it got whacked off. And they were only down by three points. And for, I mean, even in my dad's whole entire life, he had never been to a Rose Bowl. He had the chance to go back in, like, I think it was 87. And then he was like, we'll go, we'll go again sometime soon. So that was the first chance. Uh, but we, we got to go a couple years after that. But Yeah, I was about to say, you guys got, got a chance to see uh, get I, 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 I jumped up. I was over at my buddy's house watching it in Statesboro and I slammed their fucking door and I just drove home and then he posted, he posted on, you know, this is way back then. He posted on my Facebook wall, a video of you've had a bad day. That stupid ass song. (laughs) I got him back. I got him back. I waited like five years. He was a, he was an Alabama fan. And once that kick six happened, I fucking posted it as fast as I could. (laughs) Yeah. That's uh, that was a good one to get him back on for sure. Yeah. Any other ones for, for you or, uh, there's a lot in basketball <laughs> and yeah. football. Um, I can't, I can't think of any like too bad yeah. where it just like really hurt like that one did. Yeah, I can see that. I would have to say for mine, I mean, the obvious answer is going to be the Bush push game. That one, I mean, and I was still, I mean, I was like, I was, I want to say that was in 05. So I was 12 ish. So it wasn't necessarily the same as, you know, getting mad when you're older, um, it still sucked and it was one of those things where I remember where I was, I was watching it at my grandparents with my dad and you know, it came down to the end. Notre Dame was about to win and then that fucking push happens and there's no penalty for some reason. And USC just gets to get away with it. It was, it was a killer. Uh, if I had one from a little more recently, uh, I would say the, uh, the game against Florida state where they, they got away with the pick play in the end zone for the, t- for the uh, touchdown and that Notre Dame got called for an OPI earlier that game, I think, uh, or no, they, they scored, but it was called back due to an OPI that Florida state had gotten away with earlier. So it was, yeah, that was probably the maddest that I've been recently at a, uh, at a college football game. No, um, no national championship, like, you know, it's hard mad. to be, not mad. Uh, if anything, that would be sad. Like the 2012 one was probably sad. Like sad. I was mad for other things. Like when I was in college, there was this dude who was a Tennessee fan. You know, back when Tennessee was good in 2012, um, who would just be the biggest SEC dude on the face of the planet, and he would just talk so much shit about it. And it was one of those things. Was like, dude, Tennessee fucking sucks. Like, quit dick riding Alabama just because they are the one good team that's propping your conference up right now. And it was – yeah. So, I mean, I wasn't mad at the game itself necessarily. It was more of a sadness thing at that point. But in terms of actually just, like, straight up making me mad, I would say it was the Bush push or that Florida State game. Yeah, I'm, like, in the same boat. Like, you don't – like, the, we went to the playoff and they played Alabama. Um, that was actually on New Year's Eve, and that was, like, the first time I went out with my now wife. Yeah. <laughs> it was just, like, hard to watch. I mean, we got – the breaks blown off of us so i'm like you can't it doesn't matter when that happens it's more worse when you're like about to be there and yeah if it's a close game i feel like that that's a little more upsetting if it's a game where you just you know you don't have a shot in hell from the jump like how it has been for notre dame and their playoff appearances lately it's one of those like you can be upset about it but it's one it's not like they had a shot and then you know every single time it's happened in notre dame the team that beat them goes on to win the national championship game by a bigger margin than they played Notre Dame. So, I mean, it's a little bit of a, it's a little bit of a silver lining, a little bit of copium, but you know, we do what we I, can. I was really mad when Michigan state lost to Notre Dame in 13. Cause it was like 17, 13. Uh, Connor cook wasn't starting yet. And if they would have won that game, they would have been in the national championship. Like they would have played yeah. Florida state and Jameis, but that's, that's just treading. I mean, like, that's, <laughs> Bennett, I do have a question about a very specific game that doesn't have as uh, big of implications as a conference championship or a national championship. 2015, Nebraska at Michigan State. Do you remember that game? 2015, 2015. 
Yeah, that was um, it was high scoring. High that 30s. was the the seventeen seconds left. Yeah, when Nebraska scored with that weird kind of push off. Yeah, I, yeah. So how did how do you feel about something like that at the end of that? Because personally, I was elated. Nebraska wasn't great at the time. They were okay, about five hundred. You guys, I think that was your first loss or second loss of the season. That was their only loss that year. They, that was uh, the only loss. Okay. Yeah, that was the. I think they were looking ahead because that was the year before Ohio State, and that's when Ohio State was on like that. I, I don't know, nineteen game winning streak, but they didn't get to play yeah. the, the year before because they had to okay. sit out for violations. Yeah, it sucks, but like, I'm, I, I try not to tread on regular season games too much. That's fair. Yeah. See, and I've I've kind of been in such a. I don't know how to, what to call it, but I haven't had any postseason type games, so you gotta you gotta live up the good ones when you can, you know. So um, I, I remember very specifically, and I know this this is going away from the question, but because I was happy about this, but went out with my friends that night, and there was a bar that doubled the prices on anything green and fifty uh, percent off anything red because we because beating Michigan State. So that was the last time I drank Fireball. We'll say that. <laughs> Rough, rough night, fellas. But yeah. it was fun, you know. Oh, Ugh, fireball! <laughs> I know. I was oh, twenty fifteen. That's I was young. Every, everybody loves drinking <laughs> whenever their team is getting the brakes blown off of them. It's it's better when you guys are winning. That was a high scoring game too, thirty nine to thirty eight. Yeah, thirty nine to thirty eight. Uh, you know, it was, it was probably some sort of Martinez in there throwing the ball. I mean, it, no. I, it was, Tommy Armstrong. Okay, nice. Tommy Armstrong Jr. They had the break. <laughs> there was a there was one game that is for some reason Michigan State. I don't remember a ton of games between them and Notre Dame. There's like a you know a couple here and there, but there's one play from a Michigan State game that always is burned into my brain. It was 2004, and Tom Zivikowski, who was the safety for Notre Dame snatched a ball out of whoever was running the ball from Michigan State's hands and ran it back 75 yards for a touchdown. It was insane. Yeah. Ugh, gotta love college football, man. Those those heartbreakers just yeah. are brutal. I... So uh, a little prelude, we're doing a 2007 thing coming up. Um, I remember Michigan State started out 4-0 that year. They beat Notre Dame, and they like went and planted the flag in the middle of South Bend. Yep. And then – they went on to win two more games the rest of the year. <laughs> just like, just dumb stuff like that. That's, yeah, just gonna act like you've been somewhat there, right? Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where you can do the like Baker Mayfield planting the flag. Like that's that one is like, a cool one, but at a certain point, you gotta act like you've been there. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, those are good for. That's a great first question that you had for us. I was uh, that was enjoyable talking about that as enjoyable as, as it can be talking about things that make us upset. <laughs> so Bennett, what do we have for our second question here? This one's coming in from Eli <laughs> Wollenhouse. What's your favorite time slot on Saturday? Oh, let's see. My favorite time slot. Um, I, I got to go 11 a.m., you know, and it's 11 central time, champion time, as Carl likes to say. Um because nothing's better than watching football before noon. Um, you know, you're, you're getting up, I guess, for, for us parents, you're getting up a little earlier than others. But, uh, you know, getting up and just watching some college game day, kickoffs at 11 a.m. Uh, recently, Nebraska doesn't had any really uh, primetime games or even afternoon games. Um, we've been stuck in that 11 a.m. time slot. Uh, so I've been more used to – used to that lately so um that's i think 11 is my favorite just because it kind of starts off your day is that gets you going is that even the same for you like this is where it changes for me if you're like in lincoln if you're at the game um if i'm if i'm going to a game i think i'd prefer a night game just because the atmosphere is different um but but so i guess the, yeah that's that's a good point um the yeah, the, the in-game experience uh, makes makes a difference if it's a night game. Um, they they seem to pull out in in Lincoln. They seem to pull out different uh, light shows, and they did some like fireball shit last year that was cool uh, during the Michigan game. I want to say it was. I think between the third and fourth quarter, 
um, they had some sort of big, big break and uh, had these like fire cannons literally in each corner of the end zone. Really cool. Kind of kept it, you know, got, I mean, kept the game close, I guess, you know, with the home field advantage type thing. But um, so, yeah, two, two answers to the question. 11 a.m. if I'm watching at home because it starts a day off, but prime time if I'm there. Yeah, I'm, I'm the other way around. Like I go 3.30 for both. Like I'm, I'm okay. a, yeah, 3.30 in the afternoon, um, mainly for me down here because that was always the, for the most part, the SEC CBS game is like usually that 3.30 slot. Yeah. But also if you are going and you're tailgating and everything, I mean, you usually start like nine in the morning. If you're tailgating for a night game, that that gets dangerous real See, quick. And I'm, I'm not a tailgater. I don't like being away from my house for more than I than I need to be. I'm a um, big time homebody. So um, if I'm going to a game, I'm getting there hour, hour and a half early. Um, maybe uh, having a couple of drinks as we're walking up to the stadium. Um, but other than that, you know, just kind of getting in, getting out, enjoying the game. But also you make a good point though, getting out of there is kind of a mess if it's super late too. So that's a good point. How how far is that for you to Lincoln from Omaha? Uh, about an hour. It's okay. not terrible. It's not bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah so with, with game day traffic, two probably because yeah. there's a lot of people coming from Omaha. So yeah, uh, Tiller or Tyler. So the question was, what's your favorite time slot for a game? Yeah. So I think that just kind of depends on where I'm at. Like if I if I'm going to be physically present at the game. I, I honestly, I'm probably going to wake up early regardless to tailgate. I love tailgating. The food is great. The drinks are great. Um, so as long as it's either that noon slot or that three thirty slot, I'm cool. But if it's a TV, if it's a TV game, I think night games are just incredible. Um, that's probably my favorite time slot to actually like watch a game just because, you know, that's how you're going to wind your night down and everything. And it's usually one of the better games. But in terms of actually being at a game, I would say it's probably the noon game, which is a little bit of a hot take probably. But I I personally like waking up early to tailgate and like getting all that stuff out of the way because then you got time to get home when you're done, take a nap before you go out, you know, work a little bit of that buzz off, and then you just get right back to it. Whereas, you know, if you go to the 3.30 game, you pretty much have to keep going. And then that can just lead to bad things going through that throughout the night. But uh, but yeah, I'm I'm a big noon game fan in terms of actual kick, uh, in terms of actually being there. Yeah, I'm actually really upset. So I just found out I have to go to a wedding up near Athens on a Sunday, and I looked at it. And I'm like, yeah, maybe we can go to a game the night before, and it's like the one week they're out of town, like in a five week span in November. Awesome. So yeah. It's no tailgating for me. Do people not know to schedule their weddings correctly around college football down there? I mean, especially down in the South. I mean, they, they did. They scheduled on a bye week. Or, uh, I guess they're out of college. Yeah, I, I guess that's true. He's a Bama fan, so it might be on a bye week for them, now that I think about it. It's oh. like, yeah. It's just kind um, of but no, there's, dude, I, there's nothing I hate more than a Labor Day wedding. Like oh, that's it's, be the it's worst. brutal, and and you want everyone to be focused on your, your wedding, and then you just have people all around on their cell phones the entire time checking for football. Yeah, exactly. And like my my wife and I, we are both. She's a football fan too. She's I mean, she's more NFL than college football, but she's a big football fan. So we were we both right off the bat. We're like we're not getting married in the fall. Just nice. immediately set those boundaries. So that's. Uh, that was just an absolute non-starter for me. And I like, you know, I get not everybody is into football, but football is the most popular sport in the United States. Like baseball's America's pastime and everything like that. But football is what gets people's eyes. And you have to kind of take that into account. If you're, especially if you're chronic people pleasers, like, like I am, or like my wife yep. is like, we, think, you know, you're not supposed to think about other people for your wedding, but we do. And yeah, you just got to schedule a little bit better when you have when you're in an area with a lot of football fans there. But yeah, to circle back, um, I definitely am a fan of like the breakfast tailgate. Uh, not even breakfast, like food. Like I'm fine with eating just like regular food at eight a.m. 
Like throw nothing's better than an eight AM hot dog. Yeah, throw a burger or a glizzy on the on the grill and let me go at it. I can you know house of bloody or something like that if the weather's nice enough, and then we can just get rolling from there. Yeah, if uh, it's not tailgating, but if you're ever in Atlanta going to Tech, there's a place right next to there called the Silver Skillet that is awesome. Really? They shot like a, they shot like a lot of um, the last season of Ozark and stuff there. Oh, okay. It's, it's, it's this little diner, but I mean, it's it's popping on Saturday mornings. I bet. Yeah, and that's for me living. I live about two hours away from Notre Dame's campus, so I, I don't get up there as much as I would like to. But when I do, we usually try to make like a whole day out of it stay after if we can't like stay the night if we can but haven't done that in a while i think i might be doing that for the clemson game this year and then uh, i'm planning on saving up and going to ohio state game next year and i'm definitely going to be like doing the airbnb and all that so oh for sure gonna load up on various things to grill and and beer and all that good stuff man i'm, I'm looking forward to i'm just ready for football man i'm so That's- excited it's a hostile environment up there i will say that it's very hostile <laughs> the one time i did go South Bend? No, in Columbus. Oh no, no, yeah, I'm not going to the I'm not going to the Columbus game this year. I'm going next okay. year to South Bend, and that's probably going to be a hostile environment because nobody likes to sell their own tickets more than fucking Notre Dame boosters. That if they're not going to yell at you for standing up, they're going to sell their tickets to the visiting fans. That that was really bad when Georgia was there. Oh like my five god, years dude. Ago. it was a sea of red at a home and it game. was hey. it was the easiest trip for everyone to make because then the Falcons were playing the Bears on Sunday. It was like the easiest, like double up. Oh my that god! Anyone oh. ever had? I didn't even think about that either. Holy shit! Colorado might actually have you beat, and maybe it was just for the Nebraska game in Boulder. They actually put a stipulation that their season ticket holders, if they were caught selling tickets to Nebraska fans, they could revoke their season ticket status. Oh wow! Yeah, I know. Yeah, uh, because there was a there was a a big contingent of Nebraska fans there. So yeah. I know and we lost. Well, you know, that happens sometimes. I know not college football related, but when the uh, when the Blackhawks were actually making the playoffs, they played Nashville quite a few times. In Nashville, they actually uh, stopped. They didn't let you buy a ticket to a playoff game if you didn't have a zip code in your billing address that was in the Nashville area. Like, Tampa Bay was doing that this year. Yeah, just peak petty. And uh, But it was – Tampa's was – it kind of got blown out of proportion. It was only their, like – club seats that were like main the one that were visible on tv yeah 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 yeah, yeah. the main camera view of the ice so i can understand that a little bit but yeah still kind of petty even no matter what you know right people in tampa got money they're not stressing about it (laughs) they're i mean nobody in tampa is from tampa they all moved there because it's warm Mm -hmm. but no that was a great great question thank you eli again it's going to be at eli wollenhouse on twitter that was an awesome question and uh we enjoyed chopping it up about that our next question is also from twitter it's going to be pat at pt's best takes what's your favorite ncaa football video game cover and i'll leave one of you guys to start i'm not trying to be a homer um so in two and I didn't have a Wii, but in 2009, gonna, I swear no. to God, you, <laughs> I knew it. Are you kidding me? 2009, oh. they, they put four different people on four different covers based on their uh, system. Five? Yeah, it was okay. five. So, yeah, Sparty was on the Wii cover. Yeah, I'm going to be homer there, but I'll, I'll pick a real one. It's uh, the Joey Harrington 2003 cover because I fucking love Joey Harrington. Those Oregon teams were awesome to watch uh-huh. and those – dumbass uniforms, but he lit it up in college, and it was really sad that he didn't carry it over to the NFL. Yeah, that's crazy that he didn't, but that was, 2003 was probably the one that I got the most playtime out of growing up. Um, I don't think I really had any between the Joey Harrington one, and I think maybe the RG3 one was the next one that I actually had a copy of, but yeah, 2000, that was, the Harrington one was 2003, so that was a lot of good memories out of that, but Man, I cannot believe that they like made. I guess I can't believe they made exclusive covers based on your system. So, 2009 was the year they did that with the most systems they had for the PlayStation Two. It was Deshaun Jackson. For the PlayStation Three, it was Matt Ryan, and then for the PSP, it was Owen Schmidt, fullback from West Virginia. Which I guess that makes sense with it being the PSP. That's uh, that's probably the one that's not going to get as many eyes on it. PSP, yeah. <laughs> And then uh, Sparty had the Wii, 
and then the 360 had Darren McFadden, so that was that was a good choice. But yeah. it seems like the 360 when they did do that, they got the best option out of yeah. all of them. Yeah, I, I would assume that the uh, 360 probably was out, outselling the P, uh, like the PS2 or the PS definitely the PS3. Yeah, at the time, I would assume so. Yeah, for sure. So, Spawn, what about you, man? Um, I mean, I kind of tipped my hand earlier. My my actual favorite is the 09 Wii because it uses the mascot. It's not an athlete. <laughs> well, depending on who you ask, it's not an athlete. Um, Look at you Spartan. know, He's I mean, it, well, in I besides the point, but I I love that they use the mascot. I think that's fantastic. I as far as I know, that's the only one that used the actual mascot. Yeah. Um, but since that's already been talked about, we kind of went at length. Um, in my deep dive of NCAA football covers, um, I'm going to go kind of off the beaten path. NCAA football, as it is, started in 98. 1997, College Football USA. Tommy Frazier, Nebraska. You can't – I mean, I, I, got, I, I didn't know that existed until – 20 minutes ago. Yeah. And I see that and I can't, I can't not pick that. It's a great picture. It's Nebraska. It's good days. You know, I, I gotta go with that. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. I didn't know that I, there was I one might college have, football either. Yeah. And uh, from what it looks at it, it was on a Sega. Like yeah, I can't, I, I want to play that game. That's definitely Sega. You should look up like a YouTube video of it. Like <laughs> what it looks like. I, back then. Oh. I'm going to try to find it on eBay or something and just see how much it costs. If you want to buy NCAA 14 right now, it's like expensive. $200 or something like that, probably. Yeah. That, those, the people selling that are going to be very upset when NCAA comes out what, next a, year. I bet they're hoping people buy it up before that. But yeah. There's, yeah. A, there's like a way that you can get NCAA like revamped, I think, is the way that you can play it on like PC. And I've, I've been looking into that just as a way to. I, they were going to make it backwards compatible for the newer. Um, consoles and they thought about it for a while and then i think they figured they could make more money making a new game i'm, I'm sure yeah but i mean that, that i think i'd still rather play 14 yeah we'll have to see what happens when uh, we'll talk once uh once we get some more news on what 23 actually looks like we'll probably have some more time to get into in depth about that but it's probably i mean if it's would, the Madden engine, yeah, I mean, I'm gonna know. be, I'm gonna be excited that there is a college football game, but yes. in terms of the and with NIL, it's gonna be, yeah, more, you're gonna get actual more immersive, yeah, yeah, instead of having to download it, yeah, that'll be cool. Um, so yeah, for mine, I actually have the benefit of not having my my team of choice being represented on a cover here, so I have the ability to be a little bit neutral. And I am actually going to go, as much as I really hate, hate picking this one, Desmond Howard doing the Heisman pose on that NCAA 06 cover. Like, I, that's, Ugh. it's such an iconic pose, and I hate that I'm yeah. saying it, but Desmond Howard, that's just, that's college football history right there. My second mm-hmm. runner up would probably be the, uh, the RG3 and Barry Sanders cover for NCAA 13. Um, but yeah, I mean, at a certain point, history's history, no matter how you feel about the team itself. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy how they pick these people for these. Because, like, there's some guys on there, like, 2008, they did Jared Zabransky, because that was right after the Boise State-Oklahoma game. The Statue of Liberty, or the Hook yeah. and Ladder, yeah. Yeah, the Hook and Ladder, Statue of Liberty, like, back-to-back. And then, like, yeah. 2010, they had, like, Brian Johnson on there from Utah, who had no, no right being on a NCAA cover at all. So uh, just weird to see how they would choose them. Yeah, they got, they well, got some in, different ones on there, like that fullback for the yeah. P cover. Yeah. That team was loaded, well, though. The, the coolest covers have like a cool, almost like a cool pose, you know. Uh, Joey Harrington, he's pointing on the field. Like that was that's a cool-looking pose on that. You got Desmond Howard doing the Heisman. Everybody else is just – you know, running football, maybe making a juke move or something like that. But those are the cool ones because they're it's an actual it's, an it's something shot. you remember. It's something you remember seeing. It's not just a, a run in the mill. He's running the ball, yeah. Type play or throwing a ball. I think I think that's why people kind of gravitate towards those because it's a cool looking thing. Like it's something you remember, not just a normal throw. You know, 
I think the worst one might be Tebow just because he's not even doing anything football related. Like he's just, oh, just, I can't stand it. Just yelling. Yeah, he's just yelling. I don't know. And then the weird, the weird like background effects they had going on there, with like it being almost watercolor looking. It yeah, they're big fans of that. It doesn't look fresh. like a fo- it doesn't look like a football game. It looks like a photo shoot. I definitely agree with that. But no, I mean they they had some good covers on there. It's just it's tough to pick a favorite one because I mean I think everybody's favorite game was probably fourteen just because it was the most polished and that's the one that everybody remembers the most recently. But you know the Denard the, the, the Robinson cover is fine. It's nothing. Nothing incredible, but yeah, they, got, they got some I good ones. One. I think the one I probably put the most time in one was uh, 07, and that was Reggie Bush on it. That's a good – and that's a good one. That's a good cover. Again, as much as I hate USC. So thank you, Pat, for the question. Again, that was at PT's Best Takes, asking about the favorite NCAA football cover. So uh, that is it for the Twitter questions, and we're going to switch over to the Discord now. And we're going to start with Grant, who wants us to power rank currently irrelevant programs that need to be relevant for the betterment of the league. And that's a tough one because, you know, it's, it depends on what your definition of irrelevant is. I, I would rephrase it to where teams you need to be good, like, to make the rest of the league good. I, 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 don't, yeah. I don't know how you say irrelevant because at the end of the – like, these teams will be good – two years after they're down. They'll win 10-11 games two years after they win four. Yeah, we had one that was kind of a similar vein from UW Oshkosh Supervan. Shout out Division Three football. Um, what colleges do you think make college football the best when they're great? And I think that one you could probably give a more succinct answer to. So I, I, I would probably like to answer that one a little more clearly, and then maybe we can power rank those schools from there. Yeah, I mean, I, I've got like I've got like a list of – Six. I'll uh, I'll start with Nebraska. Nebraska needs to be good. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, and that's not that's not a homer pick. That's a. I think when you when you think Nebraska, like the, your first thought, uh, generally in the state of Nebraska, you you think football. You know, you you think corn and you think corn huskers, and you think football. And I don't think that's a hot take. I think that's pretty a pretty common thing. Um, that's what most people know of going on here. Um, and, you know, they used to be good, and they're not now. Um, I think it would be good for the health of college football, I guess, to have kind of a blue blood, um, to be a blue blood again. Uh, it's it's like it's like Kentucky not being good at basketball. You know, it's, it's like Duke not being good at basketball. You might not like them, but they should be good. It's weird when they're not. And I think we're kind of getting to a point where it's not weird if Nebraska's good. So um, I, I would prefer them to be good, obviously. But I, I would agree there. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I te- honestly, to not to add on to that, but I, I've got my my number one I thought of was like Miami. Um, because they've been kind of flirting with irrelevancy lately. Um, they've been okay. They've been had some decent seasons, some not, some not decent seasons, you know. But I think when Miami is in the top ten, you know, annually, that's that's when it's fun to watch college football. More fun to watch college football, I guess. Yeah, I'll reluctantly agree with that. Um, oh, know, yeah. From a personal level, I'd be fine if Miami was never good again. But yeah, oh, it, it is one of those. hundred percent agreed. Yeah, one hundred percent. I'm not over a one. And, and I, I'm, I'm with you. And unfortunately, like some of these schools are going to have really bitter rivals that we're going to talk about here. Like my next one is probably USC, and mm-hmm. I I can't stand USC. I would be fine if they were never ranked in the top twenty five again. But uh, having a West Coast, it's good for the Big Ten. Yeah, it's good for the Big good for the Big Ten. Really needs the brand help there. But no, having a good team on the West Coast it makes college football national and college football has definitely become more hyper-regionalized over the past couple of decades, which, you know, that may be a good or a bad thing, depending on how you feel about it. But it's at a point now where fans on the West Coast may not be as invested in college football just because they've never had a seat at the table, which isn't, you know, it's not like anybody's to blame for that but the West Coast teams. But, you know, you kind of want having a West Coast team out there that can be good and it's either good, it's either them or Washington and USC has USC's a better brand than Washington. That's it's better mm-hmm. for college football if USC's good. 
Yeah, and I would even throw along with USC. I'd throw UCLA in that boat as well. Yeah. Yep. I would say that I would probably say they're more basketball, but I think even football that you could definitely make the argument they'd be it'd be better for college football if they were. So, so you, I, I listened to the Pac-12 now that it's out, and you guys were talking about you know basketball. So I'll, I'll just use this thing: if USC, UCLA, and Arizona, if they started getting good at football, because those are both kind of basketball schools, who do you think would be the first to jump over to you know we're a football school now? Out of those to, two, ooh, the first to jump over, yeah. To be like, like we're, we're a football school. I feel like it would be UCLA just because they've had more football success recently. Like they're a little, like you know, success is relative, obviously, but they have had better football teams than Arizona, and they are probably more willing to jump to football than an Arizona fan would be. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's just like interesting in that way, just seeing where the fans would go out because they can't really fill out the, the Rose Bowl even for football right, right now. Yeah, yeah. which. You know that has its own issues too because the Rose Bowl is so far away from from LA. Like it takes a, commutes long to get there. It's a really inconvenient place to go. I, I went, man. It's out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, and like it's it's a great drive down. You pass all these probably you know three million, four million dollar houses, and all of a sudden you're in a field with a football stadium. But and, and you know the Rose Bowl stadium itself, like it's a it's an iconic stadium, but it kind of makes it a pain if you're just an everyday fan that wants to go out there every weekend. Are you going to be willing to, you know, cough up the two hours each way to come, to come out there. And if UCLA was a good program, I could see fans being more willing to do that. Uh, So, yeah, if we're talking West coast teams, I would say Oregon, Um, you know, they're, they've been good recently or I guess more recently, not, not so much, Uh, you know, they've been kind of relevant, kind of not. Um, but top of the you know food chain is is where I think they could be if uh, um, they really put their you know effort in. I guess uh, yeah. that's a bad way to say it. You know what I mean? Um, and it's it's kind of a weird way to look at it, but like their uniforms are awesome, right? Um, obviously, that's a big big way, a big part of their recu- recruiting. Um, and if you look at the college football playoff, I think it's – I don't know the actual stat, but it's like 90% of the college football t- playoff teams since it started have been some shade of red, um, which is kind of – I think all Nike or or mostly Nike, maybe one one or two Under Armour. Yeah. Um, so I think looking at that is kind of a neat, like, microcosm of the sport where, you know, if you get some, you know, different, you know, color schemes or whatever, it's kind of, it, it kind of makes it a little bit more, you know, doesn't feel appealing like the to the eye. Yeah, it doesn't feel like the same teams every year. Like, Yeah, is. yeah. I mean, one year we literally had Cincinnati, or no, I guess last year we had Cincinnati, Alabama, Georgia, red, and then one team that was blue and yellow. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think there's been years where it's been all different shades of red. So Either that or like orange or something like that. Granted, red is is a great color. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would prefer if there was some scarlet and cream. Um, I'm sure you would. But maybe maybe a little less uh, crimson tide. Yeah, a little less crimson tide wouldn't be bad for anybody. But <laughs> exactly. Yeah, in terms of other teams, like I don't know about how Bennett feels about this one. This one may be a little bit of a stretch, but Penn State maybe as a team that maybe. It makes college football better when they're a team that's kind of up higher up in the rankings. Just makes it a little more exciting. Yeah, they're they're a national program. I'm yeah. fine with it. But I mean I, I like how they kind of finish fourth in the East everywhere right now. Yeah. So it's fine by me. Yeah. Service um, Acad- service academies. If they would uh Yeah. Be great for the brand if service academies were, were high up in the rankings. Oh, for sure. Except we I've always kind of had later. to take I've always had to take that. I prefer future um, officers in the military to be better at the military than they are at football. Yeah, that's fair. So, and maybe maybe that's you know that's a little off. We'll see. It, it's fun to be good at football as well. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. But yeah, I think that's. I think those are probably the big programs at this point. The ones that are kind of irrelevant right now that probably could be. I think you maybe have like a Virginia Tech in there, or, or yeah. you know, um, I had Virginia Tech on my list. Colorado, I, maybe. I had some. Uh, I, I had some uh, 
that like I need them to be relevant to kind of knock off their big dogs. Not necessarily good, but like I had Georgia Tech and I had South Carolina on there. And then I also threw Auburn because like you need Auburn to be good to play against Georgia and Alabama well. And LSU. So that yeah, and LSU. That's a good one. Actually, I didn't the, even think about Auburn. The last ones I had was West Virginia, which I don't really count that as like you know relevant. It's it's not at the top of my list. And uh, FSU, when FSU is good, it's it's Florida State pretty good, good for one. everybody else as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Florida schools in general, I feel like it's better for it's it's better when at least one of them is good. How about Rutgers though? I mean, come on now, they haven't been relevant for what 150 years now at this point. They need to. Gotta get the shit together, man. You see, you see how much they've been spending on Uber Eats the other day? I, I did see that. That was that I was did not see that. Report. What's this? So it, it came out a couple years ago when COVID hit. They were allowed to expense all their meals, and those fucking players have spent like four million dollars on what? Uber Eats in the last like three years. That's nuts. oh my god. I, and I, I think since they're technically a state school, the taxpayers are paying for it. <laughs> so your tax dollars at work. Ladies and gentlemen. Um, so yeah. to expand on my on my take about the color uniforms, I looked up the college football playoff uh, participants. In the eight years, there have been thirty-two te- total teams. Twelve of them have not been a shade of red, um, which ends up being thirty-seven and a half percent. If you count Clemson, they're orange as a shade of red which is six of those 12 teams. Wow. So that's absurd. Yeah, um, that's a lot. And I, I was counting the Clemson purple and orange, uh, so I was, I, was, I was saying they didn't really count. But, yeah, yeah that, was, that was kind of the point I was making there. Yeah, I could see that. But, yeah, no, I think, I think we covered most of the big programs that needed. Obviously, this is probably a couple that we let slip through the cracks there, and I'm sure you guys will all let us know. But I think it's time to move on to our next question. And this comes from UW Oshkosh Superfan. So in addition to helping us kind of focus that last question a little more, he's got his own question here. Are there any NFL lifer type coaches you think would do better in college? That's a tough one. The NFL and college football are just so drastically different. Mm-hmm. Better better is the word that makes it really hard. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, um, I don't know, man. That. Obviously, uh, you know, Pete Carroll, known, known life for Pete Carroll. No, nah, he doesn't count. I had, he spent um, enough time at USC. I had Mike McCarthy on the list. I bet he would be awesome in college somewhere. You just think? Basically, yeah. Mike McCarthy at Notre Dame, I bet, would be awesome. Oh, do not put that on. Do not. I, I agree. That. You know that you say that? I think that would be fantastic. We're, we're deleting this segment, actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! No, I think I think there's probably a couple guys though. Um, I bet Dan Campbell would honestly be a pretty good. I bet he would be good on the recruiting trail at the very least. I feel like he could probably get get a lot of a lot done at a college program. Yeah, I, I like Dan Campbell. I think my first thought was Sean McVay, just because of the age. Um, yeah. I think he could maybe relate to the younger kids a little bit. I say kids. I uh, feel old, but I think he could relate to the college age players maybe a little bit more. But at the same time, he's not going to get the same amount of money. As, well, yeah. you know. So I, I, I think his his own personal um, enjoyment maybe not as much, but I think he could be a good college coach. Um, I think he could kind of motivate as as well as anybody else. And I think having somebody a little bit closer to your age would be better than having. You know, Mac Brown or yeah. you know some some you know it, Mike Leach. I mean, Mike Leach is fun, but he's he's an old dude. You know, yeah. um, I think that I think Sean McVay was the first one that popped into my head. I could see that. How about a guy like uh, Andy Reid? Yeah, I I don't know. I don't I don't see Andy Reid hitting the recruiting trail too hard. No, a lot of restaurants to hit, man. That's I, I was about to say. There's a lot of food along the way. I don't know. We let's we can talk about somebody in uh, relatively close to Kansas City. We got you know Mangino in Kansas. He didn't. He wasn't lighting up the the scoreboard. You know he was he was okay, but uh, I think it's a similar type of guy. Obviously not just 
you know, looks aside, but I think um, they're kind of coached similarly as well. Yeah. Um, I, I've got I think, a couple other names. I, oh, Dude. go for it. Like, like what about, um, I think he's retired now, but Gary Kubiak, like when he was a little younger. Huh. I'd have to think about that one. I feel like he has a potential. I mean, he has a pretty innovative offense that he likes to run. I don't know about if innovative is the right word, but he has a pretty successful offense he likes to run. So I could potentially see that working out. He seemed to be a player's coach. So that, that one's got a possibility. I, I had dabble on the list because I think it's just obvious that it would probably work out better in college than it's going to work out with the Giants. Yeah, I mean, he had his chance in college, though. He was uh, he spent a year in the Saban re- coaching rehabilitation clinic. And the the last guy I had on there was, if it doesn't work out in Jacksonville, like, do you think uh, Doug Peterson could work out somewhere in the college ranks? Ooh. I think Doug Peterson would be great in college. Yeah. I, I do, think too. It, I think it would depend on his landing spot. But, yeah, I think he could do pretty well in college. But Doug, Doug Peterson at Syracuse. How do you think that goes? Probably be the most successful coach Syracuse has ever had. I would agree. So I, yeah, I, I think can, if he landed, if he landed somewhere where he can have like a good pro style quarterback and just recruit, I think he would do awesome. Next head coach of Iowa, maybe. Don't yeah, do that. I, I don't know. It's not. <laughs> Keep him out I mean, of the Big Ten for you guys. Yeah, I'd be okay with that. <laughs> I, I don't know. You got these guys that come in over at Illinois, like Lovey Smith didn't do anything. Yeah. It's, it's it's a different world. It is. It really yeah. is thing. It's a good question because. They are so different, and the demands of the job are very different as well. You know, it's hard to because the guys who are NFL lifers are NFL lifers for a reason. Like they, because the NFL is considered the pinnacle of coaching. And you know, we've seen we've seen it happen in reverse and it not be successful. You know, we've seen a a few instances. Very recently, Chip Kelly, uh, arguably Cliff Kingsbury, although how that man got the job in the first place still eludes me. Um, Saban would Saban. I don't, I think probably would have been okay. Obviously he had some issues with the front office, according to all the reporting and everything where he wanted Drew Brees, but they didn't want to pull the trigger on it. So, you know, who knows how that would have worked out if he had actually gotten Drew Brees, like shit, maybe Miami would have been contending with the Patriots like that whole time. Like who knows? Yeah. Generally, whenever coaches jump from one head coaching job straight to the other in a di- on a different level, it's not necessarily the most successful thing. So that's a, it's a great question, and I feel like we kind of touched on a couple of the guys that might have the most success, but it's just really hard to project that out just based just based on what they've done in the in the league. Yeah, and there's guys that I left off because I'm like, they're never going to leave the NFL. Like right. Mike Tomlin's never going to leave the NFL. Kyle yeah. Shanahan will Tomlin probably never leave the one. NFL. Which you know, I guess the question wasn't who would who would leave and be good. I mean, I, I, Tomlin, I think, is a really good answer, actually. Yeah, he's still only like fifty two years old. Somehow. Yeah, he's. I mean, he. God, he's been there for what two twenty years? It feels like almost coming up. On I it. think we're going on year really wow. sixteen. Sixteen. Yeah, I was about to say he's been there for a very long time. Uh, Shanahan might be one. Uh, Matt Rule would do better as a college coach than he would as an NFL coach. Yeah, you know what? I think we've got pretty empirical evidence of that. So I'm yeah, I, the, the question you. was the question was NFL lifers. Yeah, he was he's proven himself to be better at college. But no, I I, I like the I think the Tomlin one is probably the best answer. Yeah, I think that's the best answer. Yeah, that'd be yeah, like if John Mike Harbaugh. Tomlin at USC or like yeah. or like Mike Tomlin at uh, I don't know Penn State or Texas. Like I it, think I think Tomlin needs to be somewhere that's kind of a, a grittier type school. Like, I think USC is a little too polished for him. I think a Pitt. I mean, obviously Pittsburgh yeah. is that kind of that comparison, but something, something maybe a, a top top a group of five type school, um, chip on their shoulder type school. I think he would be great at. Honestly, I think he'd do great at a Big Ten school. You know, he's kind of got the. Uh, the grizzled vet type vibe to him that I think would be great for the Big Ten. Yeah, I agree. I, I think put him in Rutgers. <laughs> there we go, Mike Tomlin, Rutgers legend. It's working out really well for Shiano so far. So I mean, well, <laughs> can't get much worse. So, 
Spell, if, if things went d- downhill in Cincinnati, would you want um, Zach Taylor in a couple years? Ready for the Zach attack? No. No? No, I can't say I would. Um, I think I think he's an okay coach. I think he's he's got a good team. I think he's got a great quarterback. I think I'd rather have somebody who's had proven success in, as a college coach, which I guess technically we have that with Frost and USC. Yeah. Um, but if I had to pick an NFL coach to come to Nebraska, oh, that's tough. I mean, Tomlin would be great. Um, How about John Harbaugh? I would. I think I would love John Harbaugh in Nebraska. Yeah, that would be. That's a really good pick. I like that. He's he's a lot like his brother, but he's different enough that you're not seeing the same thing. He's more yeah, mellowed, I like that. He's more mellowed out than uh, yeah than his brother is. He's I not, think he's not a. He's fine. <laughs> Sorry. You said it. Sorry. You said it. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Jim, Jim, right. yeah. Jim Harbaugh, he's. I honestly did not mind Jim Harbaugh, especially when he first came, and it sucked because obviously I don't like Michigan at all, but I, I like Harbaugh as a college coach. I think, I think he did a great work over at Stanford, and I think he fits a lot better in college than in the NFL. So I think, I think his brother jumping down a league would probably meet with similar success. So I would, my top two answers would probably be Toplin or John Harbaugh for this one. Yeah. I'm with yeah. That. All right. Well, thank you. UW Oshkosh super fan. Uh, going to give one more shout out to division three football, best division in, in college. And we're going to move on to our last question here. Uh, it's going to be from go beeves baby. And the question is what are three G five teams you have your eye on this season? Now it doesn't say, you know, G5 teams that you think have a chance to make the playoff. It's just G5 teams you have your eye on. So it can be for good or bad. I think the obvious one for me, the most obvious one is BYU. Uh, I've brought them up on a couple episodes by this point. I think the amount of experience that they're returning on their roster, in addition to just the straight-up talent that they have, is going to make them really dangerous for the teams that they're going to be playing this year. Obviously, Notre Dame's going to be playing them in Vegas. That's not a gimme game. I could easily see them losing that one. And then they've got a couple more like Pac-12 and Big 12 schools that they have on their schedule this year. And I just think that they have the ability to win most of those games. Like looking at it, the highest ranked team that they played this year is Notre Dame. And that's a winnable game. It's, you know, it's a neutral site game, but they're home against Baylor. And I feel like, you know, that home field might help them win that one. And they're away against Oregon. Those are, I mean, I think those are both games that they definitely could win. I wouldn't count them out of either of those. I would agree. They got a tough schedule there. They got Oregon and Baylor, and as you said, Notre Dame. I could see them winning any of those games. Really, they've got some other tough. I mean, obviously Stanford's going to be dog shit this year, but they all, they do play Arkansas as well. Arkansas has got a tough stretch. They play every single team they played this year played in a bowl game last year, which Ooh. is just insane. That is insane. Yeah, but I, I could see BYU. I think they're at like eight and a half. Would you take it? I would. I don't see – I mean, I don't see anybody – you know, Arkansas is probably where they would get that fourth loss. But I don't know. I think I think they could be – I think they will beat one of those four ranked teams that they play. And then the rest, of their, the rest of their schedule, I mean, I don't know. Liberty, I guess, is probably the best team that they play. Liberty doesn't have Malik Willis anymore, so – I'm not necessarily as concerned about Liberty as I would be. So if it's at eight and a half, I, would, I think I would take the over. They're either going to win eight or nine games. What about you, Spomer? Let's, let's see. Um, I think – so my, my first thought reading that question was Cincinnati. It's hard to not yeah. think of Cincinnati. But I'm going to go to a different school in the same state. We're going to go to Ohio, going to the MAC. Ohio is a team that I've always enjoyed – just kind of keeping up with because of Frank Solich, uh, former Nebraska coach. Um, you know, they, and he was a pretty good coach for them. They're, they're not a great team, but it was always fun to watch them. They had uh, Frank, he's, he's gone now. Um, their current coach is, let me see, uh, Tim Alvin. He was their first season last year. They went three and nine. They weren't great, but I, I think it's a, it's fun to watch a team that's not, um, you know, top of the top of the dog pile, fighting for a, 
a bowl game, you know, and, and watching that and just having kind of a rooting interest. Um, so my that was kind of my uh, after Cincinnati. That was my first thought just because they're always fun personally for me to watch. So Yeah, that's a good one. And their schedule, I mean, I don't – I'll be honest, I don't know a whole lot about the MAC. just with the way that – you know, we've been trying to get this thing off the off the ground. We didn't have time to look at the G five really closely, but their two biggest matchups are obviously going to be Penn State and Iowa State. And you know, I don't think they're going to win either of those games, but I think they could make it pretty close against Iowa State. Um, you know, in some of these other games, obviously it's going to be a full max schedule. Uh, Ball State, they got to go to Indiana to play Ball State. That's a short trip for them, and then they got Miami of Ohio, which you know. It's all it's all going to be pretty short trips for him, but that could be a fun one to watch if you're looking for some action. Yeah, he's uh, he was definitely recently their most successful head coach. Uh, Solich was, and so that's kind of you know I enjoyed that. But I think they could be I think they could be a decent team for sure. And it's always it's always fun to watch them Mac you know Tuesday night football. Yeah. It's hard to be worse than what they were last year. They finished the season off three and nine, so you would hope that there's uh, there's some amount of amount of so, improvement there. A little bit of a jab, I'll take it. <laughs> I mean, just being honest, like you know, <laughs> teams three and nine to teams three and nine. Um, but no, it's it's uh, any of these MAC teams, and you know, Maction is always a really fun thing to watch on a Tuesday or a Wednesday night. It's kind of a primer for the rest of the week and. You know, it beats watching whatever's usually on TV that night. But, yeah, no, that's a good one. Uh, Bennett, what about you? What's one that you're looking, keeping your eye on? Uh, I've got a couple, but uh, the main one I'm keeping my eye on is the Army. <laughs> Army. I'm looking at Army. They're sitting right now at eight and a half wins, or eight wins, so it's a push. But, honestly, I, I think they're going to win 11 games. Like, they're, they're wow. ones that could end up in, like, 10 to 15 range. So uh, wow. their their toughest get their toughest game this year is they start out at Coastal Carolina and then they play at Wake a little bit later. But the rest of it, I mean, it's it's a, a easy ride. Uh, San Antonio, Villanova, Georgia State, Colgate, Louisiana Monroe, the Service Academies, and then uh, Troy, UConn, and UMass. And uh, the, dude, you gotta yeah, you gotta keep your eye out. They got this guy Andre Carter. He's going to go, like, top 20 in the draft. He's an edge rusher. He's, like, 6'8", and he's, like, 280 pounds. He's, oh he's massive. Yeah, I mean, they they hung they hung 50 on Wake last year. Right. And so. it's it's early enough. You don't know what's going on with Sam Hartman. It, it yeah. could just be a win. It could be a slip-up so. on, on Wake's part for sure. Yeah, and, I mean, the Army-Navy game usually ends up being closer than what any spread is going to indicate. It's always, always a good game. I think uh, – you know, that first four – four of those first five games, so Coastal, UTSA, Georgia State, and Wake Forest are probably going to be the most likely locations of any losses that they have. But I don't think they lose most of those even. Like, I, if, if, the, if the line's at eight and a half, then I would probably take the over on that as well. Yeah. It's, it's at eight, so it's even oh, – it's eight? a push. Oh, I mean, yeah. right there. Yeah, that's – Yeah, it'll be yeah, exciting. For sure. That's a really good one. And then the other one I had is, I mean, it's pretty on brand, but it's uh, UCF. And what's really pushing me there is uh, they came out today and said, John Reese Plumlee is going to be their starting quarterback. Okay. If you remember him at Ole Miss, he was the starter three years ago. And the kid is fast as hell, boy. I mean, like I'm, I'm talking real fast. <laughs> so he doesn't have the best arm, but it might work out in Gus's system really, really well. Yeah. Um, he had in 2019. 2019, he had 150 rushes for 1,023 yards. Wow! And uh, so he transferred down there. He was one of those guys that was playing on the baseball team as well. So I think he kind of focused on baseball the next two years after that. Okay. But I mean, he was that year the Ole Miss offense, and they're sitting at eight and a half wins right now, and it's a fucking cakewalk. I yeah, mean, they're, they're only tough. They're only top. They're only top 25 game is Cincinnati. Yeah, that's that's not looking too difficult of a schedule. And then honestly, you know, you got Louisville in there, which may cause some problems. You've got uh, oh SMU might be one that causes another problem. But then even then, that's nine, and I'm not seeing really where they would get a fourth loss out of there. So I, I'd probably take the over on them as well. Yeah, and then uh, this isn't what I'm doing anything with, but just keep an eye on UAB. Their head coach Bill Clark had to step away from football this last year, and uh, he was one of those guys that was always up for the you know 
the Auburn jobs and stuff like that. He's yeah. really turned that program around since they came back on. Right. That's a good one as well. I am curious to see how Cincinnati does with having to replace all the talent that they lost. Because they had, what, like yeah. eight or nine players drafted this year? Like, just an insane like of players. And I don't know if they can replicate that. So, yeah, and I think that was yeah. kind of my point with to watch them. I wasn't saying to watch them do something yeah. big. I think it was to maybe see more of the fall off or kind of where they end up uh, or if they can, you know, kind of reload and come back. Yeah, and I mean, Luke Fickle is an awesome coach. So even if they oh, don't, sure. even if they don't replicate the season that they had last year, that is not an indictment of Luke Fickle's ability as a head coach. That dude, that dude can coach his ass off. Um, it's just gonna, it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough for them to replicate what they did last year. Just be realistically, yeah, they're not. They don't have the kind of resources that these power programs do. Although, looking at their schedule. Their toughest games are going to be Arkansas, who they open up at. Then after that, it's UCF and SMU, pretty much. So, I'm not sure what the line is for for them this year, but I imagine they're in the AAC, right? Yes. Let me find it real quick. If somebody else find it, yeah. But I mean, you know, just kind of assuming that it's probably going to be around eight and a half or nine, even. Uh, if it, if that is where it ends up being, then I would probably take the over on that. But I think there's uh, the, I've got them at nine and a half. Nine and a half. Oh, okay, that makes it a little tougher then. Whew. That's tough. Yeah. Yeah. I think game. that Arkansas game will be kind of a, a big tell. Yeah. Um, because it's kind of hard to tell where Arkansas is going to be. You know, they're they're kind of all over the place. Um, I think, and obviously you can't place those uh, bets after the first game of the season. Um, but I think. They win that game, and I think you go over. Yeah, obviously, agree. yeah, that makes a big that makes a big difference. I think that's that's kind of a make a hinging game there. Yeah, yeah, that's gonna make or break there I, that line there. I I couldn't see him getting ten without that win. Yeah. I guess we'll say. it would just be tough. Like I see a path to it, but it would it would be not easy if they don't have that Arkansas win under their belt. Yes. I think – I mean, that's about all I can think of right now in terms of teams to watch. Um, you know, there's a couple honorable mentions in there, but we don't really need to mention them at this point. <laughs> like, we, we've talked – oh, Houston's one, actually. That Houston's one that I completely spaced on there. Houston, they are in the top 25. I think they're 25th right now. Um, yeah, they, they could run the table, but they got a tough schedule. Yeah, they do have a tough schedule. And obviously, you know, how they do this season is going to – affects kind of their standing when going into the Big 12. But, yeah, I mean, Texas Tech, they are away for that one. But home against Kansas, I don't think they're going to have any issue with Kansas or anything like that. And then SMU is probably going to be the game that decides the second team in the conference championship. Because I think Cincinnati's probably going to get a spot in the conference championship again. But um, I think it'll be between Houston and SMU there um, for that other spot. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I think that there's going to be quite a few teams in the G5 to watch, even if none of them are necessarily contending for another playoff spot again. I think one more just to throw out, because I thought it was an interesting uh, storyline last year, was UTSA. Yeah. Um, They were fun to watch, even though they kind of fell off at the end of the season, you know, when the the lights were kind of getting bright on them. but they're they're a fun team to watch. They were a very good team last year, and I think um, they kind of unfortunately the pressure got to them. But I think that was one that kind of popped in my head late. Yeah, I like that one. That's another one that'll probably be a fun team to watch this I, year. They're at least chall- going to challenge for the conference championship there. Yeah, you know, maybe not obviously not a playoff spot, but a conference championship could be right in their sights for sure. I'm sorry, I'm throwing Fresno State out there too. <laughs> it's like, we keep we on got, saying we're done, but we got more than three G5 teams. So uh, go Beavs, baby. We, we each got. We, we probably each got, got each three. three. Yeah, I think yeah. so. No, so Fresno-, Fresno State, they're they're going out, and if they can beat Oregon State and USC, they're going undefeated. Yeah. So that's that's the way I got it. Okay, I can see that one, and yeah. I think it's I think it's at it's at eight and a half right now. So I could easily see them having ten wins or eleven. Yeah, I mean, some of these teams that are, like, really, really high end of the G5, they're probably going to be the first teams that get poached by the likes of, you know, the Pac-12 or the Big 12 um, whenever conference realignment keeps on trucking there. 
um, which it sounds like it might. It sounds like we're getting a few rumbles there that Oregon is definitely going to be the next team going to the big, so that'll be another shakeup for the Pac-12. Um, going to be interesting to see what happens there. Yeah, I'm I don't love it. With open arms. Okay, we're split. <laughs> I, only, I because, only because the most recent um, outing with Oregon, Nebraska, won. So yeah. that's, that's like my I, only take. I know we've talked about I would, I would have rather had Stanford and just forced Notre Dame to come over. It's like, that would have really made everybody move. Yeah. I think Notre Dame's coming regardless, I'll be honest. Yeah. It's the it's the big it's the smartest fit, I think. Yeah, and Notre Dame's uh, the athletic beat writer for Notre Dame, Pete Sampson, he's pretty much it's, it's still speculation, obviously, but he's pretty much all but said that within the next five years Notre Dame is probably going to join the Big Ten. So it's a matter of time more than anything at this point. I think once the Big Ten and SEC get to 20, they could almost, like, break off from the NCAA and run their own thing. Yeah. Which I think it might be the goal in the next 10 years. I'm not sure. But I think Notre Dame would be a big key to that, having having that big name in the the conference. And I think the tough thing about that, though, is that, like, you don't necessarily want to freeze Notre Dame out of moving because then that's just going to push them into whatever conference didn't do that. Right. So, you know, they would have to both basically agree to do it, to get it done. And I just don't think that's going to happen just with Notre Dame's brand and everything like that. That's fair. It's, it's just tough, but yeah, no, I think, I think uh, conference realignment is definitely still going to be active here over the next year or two. And it's going to be fun to see where the dominoes all end up falling. But in the meantime, we're going to wrap up our mailbag before we just keep on rambling about things unrelated to the questions that we've been asked. So for Bennett and Spomer, this is Tyler. Yeah. We're going to sign off here. Be sure to like the official Tailgates and Turnover Twitter. It is at TNTCFBpod. Uh, we have our Discord invite in there, so feel free to join the Discord like share review the pod and we will see you guys tomorrow where we will do our week zero preview and we may have a couple other fun little segments there but so stay tuned in the meantime don't tweet it recruits yeah don't do it and bet that army over it's free money there we go army over and don't tweet recruits it's gonna be uh, two things in life are always true so <laughs> you have a good night everybody